Yes, it's an icebreaker between me and any Somali person. Yeah. Literally, we sit down five minutes later. I'm like, do you know what my father had? Like, that was me you? and my Halima was attired. Yeah. And they're like, it's me. And their jaw drops. They're like, what? Hello, Sidhuwada, and welcome or welcome back to the Gone to Africa podcast. I'm your host, Julie O, and we're back at it again. This is part two of my interview or interviews with my good friend Yasmin, aka Bananas Overdose full-time baddie, musician, activist, and uh, liver of life. In this area, we just go straight back into where we left off, um, speaking about several different topics. We do get into her activism and her personal experience with FGM, or female genital mutilation. Trigger warning for that if that is uncomfortable or difficult for you to listen to. We get into it at about the seven seven and a half minute mark up until 18 or 19 minutes so if you so wish you can skip ahead and listen to the rest of the conversation we get into her own realizations post that experience and how it sort of led to her own sexual self-discovery and liberation we talk a little bit about her wish list for places she would like to travel and perform within africa uh some more travel experiences both uh positive and, and difficult, and uh, into her musical journey and writing and performing music and lyrics in her main languages, which are Somali, Arabic, and English. And uh, you might maybe hear a few samples of her songs if you haven't already. Um, that is it for me. We're just going to jump right into part two with Yasmin. Enjoy. But yeah, let's talk about activism and the causes that are close to your heart and where, you know, where you think um, all of it came from, if, well, you, if you are comfortable with that also. Yeah, yeah, I am comfortable answering that. My activism came from my experience with FGM. Actually, my activism came from way before. No, 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 no. I think my experience with FGM clicked later on in life. Mm-hmm. Let me correct myself. It clicked later on in life, but I've always been an activist. Mm-hmm. I remember being in school, getting in trouble for asking the, the religious... Uh, subjects teacher because we had many religious subjects. Okay. Um, I remember a- getting in trouble for asking questions about religion, mm-hmm. such as why? Because we were told women can't go to funerals. Oh. Because women can't control their emotions. What? You can't go to a funeral because women can't control their emotions. Okay. They will cry and cause a commotion. And yeah. is that something that's in? I mean, I doubt that's I in the Quran. No, bro, it? I need to just learn more. Yeah. Like yeah, there is there is the Quran and there is what people preach. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're being taught that, and I would ask questions like, why, mm. why can't a woman, why can't a woman go to a funeral? What if it's someone that's dear to her? Yeah. What if she can control her emotions? And the teacher would just dismiss me, and I would ask questions like, why can't women lead the the, the, the prayer? Mm. Why can't women be imams mm. at the age of like eight? Mm. They would get me at the class, call my mom, tell her to come and collect me. Really? Okay. Your daughter is, your daughter is corrupting. Yeah, she's she's corrupting our little uh, girls. Mm. So I remember, like, I would just always like ask questions, and my mom was just very humble. And yeah, my mom was always, let's sweep it under the rug, let's not fight, mm-hmm. let's just be good 
foreigners in this country because okay. we are we should be grateful to be here. Okay. He was grateful to be in the land of Islam. Okay, that's where she was coming from. He's grateful to be close to where Mecca and Medina are. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's where my mom was always coming from. So she kind of glorified mm. Saudi in general. Yeah, she glorified Saudi. I find in general. that in concept so interesting, but we can get into that another yeah. time. Oh my god, do you remember that one? Uh, Ramadan, like mm. when it was ending, mm. and then like there was like some Somali guys who spotted the moon, and then there were like Saudi guys who were like, no, it's not your yeah, aid. And then the Somali guys ended up being right. Yeah, and, like that's what everyone ended up following, and like the memes, the memes the were me finishing. <laughs> I remember. Yo, I remember there was one that. Was, like, <laughs> um. So I think the caption was something like. There's there's, some, there's three guys in Somalia and it was like a video of Chunks yeah. going do your thing man and then and then Chunks going do your thing let me do my thing do your thing let me do my thing <laughs> I don't remember Most that memes were killing me oh because days. it was also interesting to see Muslims who mm. have been practicing you know their whole lives to be mm. like ooh now Saudi sees that they're not the owners of Islam ooh like, right like bruh I was like gee I didn't know any of this wow yeah like I mean Islam did start there yeah you know Islam did start there and um, it's very interesting like I guess there's um, I don't even know if this is a proverb or if this is a hadith from Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him or if this is a um, uh, a verse from the Quran I'm not really sure okay but says like this is referring to the quran mm -hmm. this book will make the wise man wiser or make the madman crazier okay so like yeah you really can take it and twist it into your yeah. own way and that i think that's the same for all the, the bible is number one on that yo <laughs> i don't know i don't really understand yo. much about the bible is there the corruption the mod the, the freaking fifteen thousand modifications like, I, i'm really confused i don't want to get there yeah i'm like bro let me just Stick to figuring out what Islam is really about. <laughs> Let's just start picking here. what I want mm. and not and, and letting go and leaving what does does not work for me. I think for every book you could do that. Yeah. Pick what feels right. And your intuition as a human being knows. It knows what's right for you and what's right in general. Yeah. And what makes sense in the context also. Yeah, Sometimes people really take some shit literally. Yeah. And it's not crazy. literally. Like, <laughs> like don't literally sacrifice your child for XYZ or whatever. Like Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, speaking of the activism part, like mm -hmm. I've always been an activist. I guess I just yeah. didn't know it. I've had a fighter in me all my life. Yeah. Like, I remember the time that, crazy enough, you know, FGM is a practice that happens to submit to, to make the girl submissive, the girl child. Can submissive. you can you take us through like the definition of FGM and like some you, some yeah. of the background? Okay, FGM is uh, female genital mutilation, or female genital circumcision mm -hmm. and it's basically you know um it's basically ha doing an operation on a girl child where you remove some of her clitoris and stitch her up in a way mm -hmm. but this has four types okay. there are four types to fgm and i can explain them as graphic as they can sound if that's okay mm -hmm. so type one of fgm is called sunni okay um, and the Sunni type is where they kind of, this is how I describe it. So mm -hmm. It's going to sound a little funny. It's like when they give the clitoris a fade. <laughs> like a little fade. On the edges the, there. Just the edges, just remove the cap. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not taking away from that experience though. It's terrible still. Mm -hmm. And then the type two is where they actually take a bigger trunk or even remove the entire clitoris mm -hmm. and stitch the vulva. Okay. 
Is it the vulva? Uh, labia. Labia, yes, mm. yes. I should, I should learn my anatomy. Um, they, it, the part, part two is where they uh, either take part of the clitoris or all of it, uh, and they stitch the labia, mm. and then, not all of it. Type mm. three, they remove the entire, uh, entire clitoris, and they stitch the labia, and they keep parts. Like they keep some a, a little hole. Yeah. Part, uh, uh, mm. which you call it, uh, uh, it's like because she has to pee still. Yeah. Type four mm. is where they remove the entire clit. And they Including the internal? In, no, no, not the internal. So just whatever just the outside. Yeah, yeah, the external. Um, remove the entire clitoris and remove everything. And then stitch Labia minora and everything. Everything stitched up. Then after they stitch you up, and that's what they practice in rural areas, they make holes for you to urinate. Oh wow! And they make another hole for you to bleed immediately, which is intense. That type four is the worst type. Mm. That's the type where it could actually affect your life. You yeah, of course. Get infections and get health sick issues. And die. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, it's really sad. So, I personally am comfortable sharing my experience. Yeah, I'm going through type one, mm -hmm. and it was where they gave me a fade, <laughs> <laughs> they gave me a little fade. <laughs> so How old were you at this time? I was six years old. <laughs> six, okay, okay. It's funny because I laugh about this, yeah, because I'm com very comfortable talking about this because yeah. I, I generally feel empowered yeah. by that experience funny enough and can, I can you share. talk about this being done in Saudi and how it all went down you said a doctor came to your house yes yes so I mean at the time mm. it wasn't that it wasn't legal mm. in Saudi but like 10 years before when it happened to me it was legal okay so then even not then. even legal but like people were not banned it wasn't banned yeah but, it's not like uh, punishable yeah I've actually never even thought of FGM in the Middle East okay I mean, the use of that is just a little mm. crazy to me. I really don't know the history of that, but I do know where FGM generally came from. It came from when the Kushite, uh, the Kushite people were selling slaves to the okay. to the Arabs, to, to the Arabs. Mm. And at some point, Arabs did not want female slaves anymore because they would get pregnant and you know, yeah. maternity breast and whatever and all of that. So, so this was the solution. This was the solution Whoa. now from the Kushite people. From the Kushite people, the solution was to stitch up women so they can sell dearer. Wow. Isn't that intense? That's just like, when I found that out, it just made me feel sick. Like as if they're, they're not like dehumanized enough. Exactly. Like push it another level exactly. of dehumanization. That's yeah. wild. So then they kept the tradition in Somalis happened to keep it and hold on to it and now today, like try and combine it with islam exactly which Oof. is which is really like terrible because i've also heard that somalis held on to this tradition because you know somalis were nomads mm. and men would travel for, for long periods and yeah they want to come back to their wives and they stitch the women up so she won't cheat yeah. imagine mm. that's like literally like that's the stages of it mm. then they're now okay when you stitch a woman up you make her submissive and you take your power when you take away from a woman's Vagina. You mm -hmm. take her power. Your like the pussy whole is portal your power. of life. Dude, your like... pussy is your power. And if it's touched, it will affect you. Mm. Lucky enough, the way it affected me. <laughs> mm. I'm getting a call from one of the biggest FGM, anti-FGM advocates. Is it Hodo? Right now, yes. Hodo. <laughs> Shout out Hodo. 
I love you, Habo. We love you so much, We Habo. love you and we miss you. I can't pick up your call, but I'll call you back. You know, I understand <laughs> why. We're making history here, Habo. I love you. So, um, yeah, so um, now, my experience. I was six years old. My mom was telling us the day is coming. And, you know, at some point, like, I would hear, you know, when you're, when you're cut, when you're cut, you're more pure, mm. you're ready to, to be a woman, mm. so we're preparing you. And I wanted to be a woman. Yeah. So I was like, when is it my turn? Mm, you know? Yeah. It was crazy to me. And then when, when it was happening, my mom got a doctor, called a doctor to the house. And I genuinely forgive my mom for this. And I forgave yeah. her a long time ago because she didn't know any better. It mm. happened to her. It happened to her mom. It happened to her mom's mom. Mm. And it was just a thing. Yeah. And it was just, you know, like, she, she knew... No and even the conversation around it, like yeah. now it's like a thing that's yeah, talked yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. And what made me realize that she's learned, she's realized, you know, after she went, the first time she's done it to me, it wasn't just me, it was me and my three siblings. Okay. The oldest one, the one after her. Mm, so all the. Then me and then I am. Yeah. My so all the girls were doing it together all the at the same time. Yes. So okay. she calls the doctor, she comes with her medical equipment, and we're lucky enough and fortunate to even deal with medical equipment and sanitize mm, yeah, the, yeah. you know, equipment. And be in your own home. Being in your own home as well. Because, you know, the stories you hear about yeah. how girls go through it and, and without disinfecting the, 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 the razor and, bro, it's really crazy. So, um, yeah, like, I see the doctor coming and then we started with my oldest sister, Hiba. Mm. We start with Hiba. Me, I was excited. Yeah. Me, I was excited. You see, that's the Kenyan yeah. in me coming out right now. <laughs> me, I, me, I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was very excited. So, until my sister entered the room mm. and I hear her scream. Mm. I heard a scream. I said, uh-oh. Danger, 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 danger. Yeah. This is me. I don't even remember the reaction of my, the rest of my sisters. I went to my mom's bedroom. I locked myself. Mm. Locked myself in there. Went to use up her makeup. Played around the room. And I was yeah. a kid. You're and six. I got bored. I got bored, and I, by the time I came out the room, it was my turn. Uh, Perfect timing. I came out the room. Yes, me like, come. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So, like, I remember going in there and them just having um something like a bag under me and flying me down and taking off my trousers and opening my legs. That's the first danger, alarming yeah. thing I felt. Why are you opening my legs? And I was looking. My mom wouldn't hold me. She went and stood behind me, so I won't see her. Because mm. I'm sure she was feeling terrible. Yeah. So I remember just looking, trying to find her mama. Mm. Are you doing this to me? This lady opened my legs. I could see that women had dead eyes. Oh, yeah. I can't forget the eyes. I probably don't remember how her features looked like. But I cannot forget the, the, the cold look she gave me mm. when I was fighting. And she told me, hey, what hoy, hoy. When you tell someone hoy in Somali, it's like, yo. Mm-hmm. She said, well, now hoy. Meaning, if you don't stop moving around, we're going to repeat that. You want to stay here all day? I can stay here all day. Mm. When she said that, I calmed down. And, uh, yeah, and then she did her thing. And I remember because she injected me with um, anesthesia. Mm-hmm. What's anesthesia? It's yeah. anti-pain. Yeah. Yeah. She, so, like, it was numb a little bit? Yes. I, was, okay. I remember the needle. I remember the needle. And then I remember feeling, and then her just doing things that are uncomfortable. Mm. And then me feeling the blood flow oh. to my butt. 
was laying down. That you just like feel wetness. warm. Yeah, it was yeah. wetness. That's what I remember. And then boom, boom, it was very fast. Mm. Then we had to, bro, this is an interesting experience. I'm sure this is very graphic for a lot of people that are yeah. listening. I'm really sorry, guys. But yeah, this is something that's still taking place until today. 98% of Somali women in Somalia are being cut. Yeah. And as, this is a less speaking. extreme case that yeah. we're even talking about. Yeah. yeah, and how long have we been speaking right now in this interview? I want to tell you like that every 11 seconds, there's a girl that's being cut. Mm. Can you imagine that? Yeah. So, like, this is something that we should talk about. Mm. So, um, yeah, like, just remember that. And I remember, now moving forward, it's just, it was just very intense. What know? was recovery like after that? Even did, so, did you feel funny? Like The recovery like, oh. was intense because we had to sit a certain way and sleep. We couldn't open our legs. So we mm-hmm. had to, when we're sitting, our legs are straight and we're sitting back straight and legs straight. Okay. And our ankles are tied oh. with each other. With what, like, what do you mean? Like for how long? For, for as long, for I think, I don't remember how long. Probably it was a week or something. Okay. Until we fully healed. Because mm. you're not, you don't want to open up a stitch or something. Yeah. Because I was stitched. Mm. I just remembered, but it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a long stitch. Okay. It was a few stitches. Mm. So I remember we're not, we're not meant to open our legs. So I remember like whenever it was time to weary, my mom would carry us, mm. sitting that same way and put us on the toilet seat or like. I have heard of that before of yeah. the legs being tired. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that, and I remember burning the burning, and I also remember the day we were cut, like. We were allowed to see what they cut of us. But like the, the piece? Yeah. Ah! I remember seeing Did you that. want to? Or I did they even ask? Or? I, think, I think we were curious. Mm-hmm. We were curious. Yeah. And uh, now moving forward. That experience, in my head I was thinking, you are being purified. Yeah. So You're then becoming you hurt a woman. Me. And you hurt me. So I'm being purified and that's costing me. Costy of a piece of meat. Mm. So I'm being purified and I'm may- being made enough for a man. I am not woman enough until I'm cut. But then you're cutting something out of me to be enough for a man. And I would have these conversations with my mom. She never had answers for me. Yeah. I would tell her, Mama, how you want to take a piece of me? It's like you take my finger, then you tell me I become enough. Does that mean that, that I am is less. less than me? Yeah, yeah, like does that mean that the person is less than what I am? Why would you like just tell me? Yeah, like what's we're the becoming logic? small. You're taking from me, that means I'm your mom less. Yeah. So I mean she never had an answer for me. But that experience just it, it just made me made me discover my sexuality in a way. Because mm. after I healed, all I wanted to do is I want to know Yeah, yeah. What you want to know all the parts. down there. What did how much they take? What does it look like? I wish I can remember how it was. Is it gonna be different? You because know? I never paid attention to my genitals until then. Yeah. You know? And then now it like it occupies your mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And I remember like after I healed, I would just I would just touch down there and feel mm. myself and, and and just I made it a thing where I'm like, okay, there's something down here that they took from me. I want to know what it is. Yeah. Why? And why? Like in, inside of me I kinda knew. Mm-hmm. There's some power in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's, it's important. It's an important thing. It's yeah. an important thing. If you're putting us through pain and you say you you're our mom and you love us, why? Mm. So I, as I was doing that and exploring myself, I accidentally, at the age of six, busted a nut. <laughs> six. <laughs> but actually, I don't think that's rare to be like exploring yourself and be curious of yourself anyway. I think I, it seems to me like, of course, that's very extreme. But it seems to me like there are so many versions of almost something similar around that age of 
of you being told close your legs or like don't let people touch you or yeah. don't this uh, or like uh. like there's like a panic I think that sets in yeah. when people realize like a child can understand a bit more yeah. or can see something yeah. and then they're like what what is it right what is it <laughs> I now actually wasn't thinking about out. this but now you said that yeah so. exactly so now like I accidentally reached climax and I remember the first time I came in my life I remember it so well I was like, yo, <laughs> oh, yo. <laughs> what is this sensation I'm feeling? <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> then, then I was like, I was like, I just discovered something. <laughs> and I was like, bet, bet, bet. This will be my secret favorite hobby. <laughs> no one will know whenever no one is looking. That's what I'm doing. I would just, I would literally do it every night. Mm. I would just masturbate for days. I went every like six, I seven, eight, whatever. Six, yeah. seven. I never stopped until, <laughs> until today. <laughs> until today. <laughs> Still going. Still ongoing, bro. <laughs> anyway, so, so that now, observing that from my age now, mm. observing that and looking back at that right now, I'm like, okay, I, that, really helped a lot with first of all learning my body mm. learning what like i the like mechanics the mechanic how things work the things i like what works for me what doesn't work for me so i spent my teenage life my adolescence life discovering myself i wasn't even busy trying to hook up with anyone mm. i didn't want no one because i was like i just discovered something mm. let me figure this out before i even look outside mm -hmm. <laughs> which is crazy it doesn't usually work that way with a lot of uh, yeah. women you know? Definitely, yeah. yeah Definitely like, the opposite. Uh, with a lot of women, it's like meeting somebody they're attracted to, and that person kind of showing them the way of what orgasm is. Yeah. Or looks like. So in my case, it was like, no, no, no. I don't think anybody can make me feel the way I make myself feel. Let me figure this out more. That's a that's a, such a surprising catalyst of like your your entire like sexual growth and identity and exploration. Hmm. Yeah. Have you have you met or spoken to other people who have almost a similar path in terms of like that was like what popped off or like what what tracked their uh, no. sexual liberation or anything uh i wouldn't say it was necessarily their fgm experience mm. but i've i have met one woman who i want to shout out right now her name is amona amona ali and amona is such a dope ass person we have similar paths and she's a fighter and she today runs a whole collective that's called black arabs collective and she runs campaigns and events where she celebrates queer Muslims. Mm. And it's just beautiful to see a mm. black Arab woman yeah. who does this, you know, who still has the fight in her, even though she's gone through a lot herself. Yeah. You know? But there's one person that I can show out on when it comes to this. But mm. the FGM experience, no, that's different. But a lot of women, after I shared that, I made a song about FGM. Who's, yeah. That's not officially released yet, but I have mm. the link. There's YouTube. performances on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, Not YouTube, but there have been performances. Yes, yeah. I did perform that. Um, and um, yeah, like after I released that song and started talking about my FGM experience openly, a lot of women reached out to me. A lot of women reached out to me about their experiences. Some of them were triggered. Mm. Some of them were attacking me. Most of them were really just sharing their experiences. Yeah. They felt safe. And I thank COVID for that. Mm. That the, the, the quarantine time just allowed me to actually create a space and you know start talking to women and yeah 
getting on Zoom calls with mm. a bunch of women and putting the link on Instagram. And I appreciate Instagram as well because it really opened a lot of doors. For sure. Instagram yeah. and TikTok have like really, yeah. really made your community your community, huh? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And one thing about Somali women and men, they live on the gram and TikTok. They really TikTok. do, man. Like the numbers like, are just insane. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Literally. Um, so, yeah, I've heard a lot of stories, some of them very unfortunate, some mm. of them empowering in terms of, yeah, like, I'm not going to do this to my daughters ever, you mm. know, this is going to live, yeah. da 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 Yeah, beautiful. people are very conscious now. Mm. Yeah, that's that, activism, FGM, women's rights in my community, Somali mm. women, for the longest have been oppressed, but right now I'm seeing a lot of powerful Somali women rise up. Yeah. There's, I know so many, like, a lot of the most powerful women and organizers and stuff I know have been Somali and also Arab, actually. Like, a lot of the Somali most radical... The most A lot oppressed. of the radical... Yeah, I guess so, huh? Yeah, like, the most oppressed are the ones who come out even. Yeah, like, they come power. out harder, yeah. Like Rotana from Saudi. Mm. Rotana is yes. a badass. Yes, yes, yes. But I love Rotana. Yeah, Rotana is really speaking... She's speaking for a lot of Saudi women. I don't think anyone is on her level when it comes to... Being a creative and using your art yeah. for activism. I told you about the new album, right? I was yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Oh, it's What's the name amazing. Of it? I, don't, I forgot. It's a collaboration with somebody else. I'm going to yes. find it and I'll put in like a little sound note from the future mm-hmm. in here. Hello from Future Editing Julie. We're speaking about Rotana, the Saudi singer musician in this section. And the new album that was released September 2023 is called Opening in collaboration with the musical group Superposition. Check it out. It's wonderful and ethereal and otherworldly. I love that. Um, okay, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with me and with us. Mm-hmm. Really, I really appreciate that you talk about it so openly. Mm-hmm. And I know that you'll touch even more people, even if they don't come to you. Because, like, imagine, so say 10 people come to you and say something about their experience, mm-hmm. even if they're treated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Imagine how many more people are like, wow, okay. They just heard it, but they didn't say to you. Yeah. But they've started the conversation in their circles mm-hmm. or in their family or just within themselves. They've started their own journey of like understanding or forgiveness or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. like you can never, I think you can never discount the power of like telling a story. Seriously. I won't lie to you. That's actually true. Because you know, a lot of times, I think I underestimate numbers. Mm. I underestimate my, my, my social reach. media numbers, my reach. Mm. I underestimate that. And it's big. That's the thing. TikTok I, I especially? Still, yeah. I still under... Wow, TikTok is a war zone for me. <laughs> Thank God I deleted that app because of storage. Guys, Did but I'm you? back. I will be back. I will be back. Yeah, I will be back. I got a few things under my sleeves. Yeah. But I bet you if I re-download the app right now and open, I'm going to find 100 comments, 70 of them would be love and 30. Yeah. 30% of yeah. them would be. Because I definitely And I just focus not, on the negative I definitely part. do not how many women ride for you and how many Somali women like really go to battle for you like yeah, I definitely that. do know that in the in comments and <laughs> okay so let's bring it back we've been chatting there's yeah. so much to say and so mm. much to come and so much to get into I, I want to hear from you as far as moving around within Africa being an African are there um you know places you're so curious about places you want to go to places you are so inspired by Talk about, like, you know, your impression of other parts of Africa, other cultures, other languages. What is on your mind lately? Music you're listening to mm. from the rest of the continent. I've been listening to a lot of music from North Africa. 
some reason I feel a connection to North Africa. Yeah. I don't understand. You've said that about Morocco, especially. Morocco, right? yeah, that's that's one of the first places I want to visit. Definitely want to visit West Africa for sure. Um, but it's the, my heart and my spirit is drawn to North Africa, Morocco, uh, Morocco for the most part. I would say North Africa, but Morocco. I love Egypt. I would love to visit Egypt. I've never yeah, been. But to all my Masari, Habayb Gelbi. So, uh, yeah, Morocco is a place I definitely want to visit. But I genuinely want to travel around mm. Africa. If it wasn't that expensive. Come to Uganda with me again. Girl, bye. <laughs> you know what? Shout out yes, to all my Ugandan had, friends. Yes, we just had some tricky experiences in Egypt. Yeah, listen, listen, listen. Very listen. different from my me, relationship with Ugandans. I love with Ugandans. Me some Ugandans. You people, me, I love you. The people I love. The country, however, I don't know. I guess it was a wrong timing. It, this is what happened to me. From the border. Yeah. From the border. I can, can I share the story? Yeah. <laughs> this story is like the trauma that's so associated with Uganda. I'm like, the president has to make it up to me. <laughs> and a special <laughs> escort or something. <laughs> so the first time I went, I, we drove from Kilifi to the okay, border of yeah. Uganda with my girl Mina. Shout out, Shell Queen. Shell Queen. We love you. We love you, Nabo. I love how we shout in our bad bitches. Fuck yeah. So, um, yeah, we drove. And that's a long event. drive. Kilifi is on the coast of Kenya. So that means you did overnight to Nairobi, surely. We did like eight hours to Nairobi mm. overnight, then woke up and then drove 12 hours to. And this was Malaba, I think, right? I think so. Malaba yeah. border. Yeah. So I go there. And we, we arrived and I had gone to Somalia. I had gone to Somalia in 2019. So I had the visa. And, and the this, of Somalia this trip has a is happening in 2021. Last year, on September. I'm supposed to be going for Nyege Nyege, bro. Nyege Nyege. Yeah, so Nyege Nyege is associated with that trauma for me, in a way. <laughs> also, yeah. <laughs> so now, um, um, we get to the border, and there's an immigration officer. I was dressed very comfortable. I was wearing a sweatpants and a crop top. My stomach was out. I was looking bad. I was looking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So now this guy, the immigration officer, that's supposed to be stamping me, and looks at my passport, and he sees my Muslim name. And then sees the visa, the Somali visa I have. And the Somali visa I had was a And the passport is Ethiopian. Yeah, I had an Ethiopian visa. I have an Ethiopian passport. So then he sees that and he looks at it and he's like, ah, why do you have a hijab in the picture of the visa in Somalia and now you're looking like this? Mm. I was like, because why I can't not wear a hijab in Somalia. (laughs) Then he tells me, yo, how do we not know that you're one of the people we built the security system for if you can look like this then you can look like that you look like a spy he's and then i was like spy come on now bro i'm just trying to party yeah literally <laughs> trying to party, bro. Like, it's not even like oh i'm trying to business yeah, like, I'm trying like, to party. No, I, like i came to come party. the festival yeah <laughs> and then he's like oh how now ethiopian how, how do we not know that you're being trafficked but see i brought myself here so far I was like, traffic to what? Like, do you see me uh, duct taped? Do you yeah. see me being forced into anything? Yeah. Anyways, he said, let me tell you something, madam. You're not entering this country. That's mm-hmm. that. You're going back right now. My friends are there. Like, we're all supposed to be entering and then starting the journey, you know, yeah. to UG. And I just felt so terrible. I felt so terrible. And they sent me back. Yeah. And I had to go back immediately. I just got my passport. I had to go back immediately. And there was no, no driver around that I could, I could trust. Yeah. So there was one of the girls that was with us, bless her soul. Came back with you, right? She came back with me yeah. to Kilifi. 
Mm. She was supposed to be in UG. This bless you, Lynette. Lynette, shout out Lynette, bro. Shout out Lynette. Lynette was like, yo, Yasmin, you're looking a mess. Mm. I can't let you just be. You don't even speak Swahili. Mm. She came back with me, and I was just heartbroken. That was that. Yeah. UG. Funny enough, my dumbass <laughs> booked the flight and still went back. Mm. The airport like, was it was fine. Airport was fine, but still, UG still traumatized me after I entered. Anyways, I love my Ugandan people. I love the all energy of you guys. was mad. Like, like if anybody, Nyege Nyege 2022. If anybody is unaware, just literally Google Nyege Nyege 2022. 2022 Nyege Nyege, and we were in the heart, in Arabic, like in the heart of the chaos. We were really in there. Let me let me say this. So the reason I'm going back 2023 is because I've been to Nyege Nyege before that when they were at the old site at um. About the name of the old, the, this old abandoned no, resort, and it, mm. it was the happiest days of my life. 2019, Nyage Nyage. I've never I been so happy. You told me so much about it. it was I so wish good. I was, was there, so bro. Now I'm scared. And also, aside from that as well, I have a very deep connection to Jinja. Mm. If it, like I might have talked about this on the podcast or not, but whole of 2020 I spent in Jinja, Uganda, because I was locked down there. COVID happened, and I was like, I'm gonna just chill here. And it is a very special place to me. Mm. So for me, I like spread the gospel. I'm like, everybody come to Jinja. I love it. Babe. Especially no, black people. Please, because damn. <laughs> the, way, the way it's full of missionaries, that's a story for another day. Guy. Christian, Christian missionaries. American ones, mostly. Yikes. Are you serious? Yes. It's that's such odd. a hot spot for, for, for in evangelical Christians. I don't know, man. I don't know why Jinja as well. It's like a small town. It's I don't know. Nothing about Jinja. It's very much I like Kilifi. And I exited. It's very much like Kilifi in terms of size and in terms of the Thank types of people. Thank you for being there. Yes. You were the highlights. Woo! You, my people, no, were the highlights of my, my And my I UG also trip. say, same thing, same thing. Because, like, the festival was a mess. I really hope that they've got it together and, like, pulled it together to I hope year. so, too, but I don't want to but even... But I didn't even have, like, the worst experience possible because I was with such a good group of people. Mm. I was with such good people, honestly. We were, yeah. yeah. We were. We were actually so, yeah. a good group. Well, actually, let's flip it. Where would you like to perform? Ooh. festivals Ooh. if not festivals just a show hmm. countries or cities you're like that's where i want to be perform Jesus. and or party within the continent yesterday we were talking about kinshasa i remember when you were talking yeah, about Tokyo i would love to go to congo can yeah congo is definitely on my mind yeah. i would want to perform in west africa i would love to go to sa for some reason i come across the people as someone from sa oh okay oh you would definitely fit in in sa yeah. Go to Joburg. So I would love to go to Joburg. Sure. Yeah, you're very Joburg, actually. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know much, really. But, yeah. People really take me for a South African even. Just in that, like, urban type, especially, like, more your rap stuff. But in general. But, like, that's a place to have, like, a rap yeah. showcase. Type yeah. For sure. The way I Cape see Town, it, too. Cape Town. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The way I see it is, like, where would my music be accepted? Yeah. So I can't say a place like Somalia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't say that right now. As a Somali woman, I don't think my music would be. Do you, you get stats and stuff from Spotify and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your what are your stats from like socials and everything? What are the trends you see of like the countries you get support from uh, within Europe. Africa? Within Africa, mm-hmm. I would say Ethiopia, Somalia, SA. Mm. That's it. Ooh. And Kenya as well. Kenya is my number one, actually. Okay, I was going to say more than Kenya. 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 Kenya is number one. And then Ethiopia, because I have roots there and I have friends there. And then Somalia, because I have friends and family and, you know, roots there. And then SA, no idea. No, so Somalia, <laughs> surely, like, people hear the language and they're like, what? Mm-hmm. What's this in our language? Mm-hmm. Did you, was it yeah. intentional for you to, like, mm-hmm. write in different mm-hmm. languages? Um, uh, how did you go about that, particularly with your lyrics? Not at first. 
at first I found myself writing in English because I always thought of it this way. I was like, I, I want to use one language that everyone would understand. So writing naturally came to me in English, even okay. like writing my diary, journaling, you know. Mm. I would journal in English, I would write my music in English, and it was all English. And then it was crazy to me. It's just English, maybe because my influence came from English music. You get me? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've always used English music, so that's how I've always thought about it. Yeah, rhythmically, um, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so. There's even like melodies. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing that came to me was Somali. And it didn't just come yeah. to me. Someone I met on social media, because mm-hmm. I was trying to remember his name. I just didn't. <laughs> Someone I met on social media was like, Yasmin, why don't you write in Somali, bro? You can write in English. Just try. I'm sure you're good at it. And that's when Bakwe Farah came about. Mm. One day, I just sat down and it was a freestyle. I was like, ah, I don't even speak Somali this well. How did I even create something like this? Ah. So, and then boom. And then boom. Yes. <laughs> Bakwe Farah was born. Yeah, that was, that was crazy. Bakwe Farah. Bakwe joke. I was laughing. It was a freestyle. And I felt like that day, I channeled. I don't even speak that well of a Somali when I speak it. Okay. But when I write music, I, it just comes out that I talk like my grandpa. <laughs> I'm channeling that man. <laughs> so tell us the story of Fuck by Farah and like what, what it means, what the song is mostly saying, mm. some inspirations, any real life characters. I won't lie to you. Sadly, the real life character that inspired me to write that song was my own father. Oh no, I thought you were going to say that and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I hope not. Yeah. It's okay. It's all right. I mean, I forgive him and it's all good. And you know, uh, all men fuck up and all men are forgiven. I guess so uh yeah it was my dad like he didn't have a great relationship with my mom and I saw my mom suffer throughout the years and it was amazing to me that I was able to release that in a very humorous way the song is very funny mm. it's not like it's nothing serious and it went super viral yeah it went viral like Somalis and not Somalis because I, I remember you remember Somali Noni saying to you like are you, oh my god is it you who's like literally that song. I was like Noni do you speak Somali what do you mean <laughs> yes I remember <laughs> Yes, it's an icebreaker between me and any Somali person. Yeah. Literally, we sit down five minutes later. I'm like, do you know fuck my father? They're like, that was me you? and my Halima was attired. Yeah. And they're like, it's me. And their jaw dropped. They're like, what? Like, people from all over the world. Literally, it's every Somali person that listens to music and that has social media knows that song. Yeah. So what is what is a Farah? What's the difference between Farah and like Waria? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a very good question. Farah is a common Somali guy's name. It's like Abdi. Oh, so it's just the name. So I just use the name that That would go with fuckboy. You know, fuckboy Farah. You know, like it it rings in a way. You know, it has a ring to it. So yeah, Farah is a common guy's name. And a lot of Somali guys, like when I I could see, when I meet a lot of Somali guys, they get a bit defensive. That's Mm -hmm. the energy towards me. Because they think I call all Farahs fuckboys. No, that's not true. That's why I said fuckboy Farah. If you are a Farah, you're just a Somali guy. If you're a fuckboy, but I hate a fuckboy. It's a different thing, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. If I'm, the shoe fits, hey. Shoe, I'm telling you, the shoe will be fitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so good. Did you ever do a video for that? I, remember, I know there's a visual crazy thing. I, had a, I, have a, I have a bunch of mood boards I made for it. And I was supposed to be working with my girl Omazi uh, on creating a video, but like time, something would happen. And I generally feel like I can still do a video for that song. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because the song is still popping. Like, I would go to TikTok now and then I would find a new video. That's just 
Come on, post it a week. It became a TikTok trend, like a TikTok trending audio. People would do like voiceovers. Like two years. Two years and some change. Maybe like at some kind of like an anniversary or something. I want like uh, visual. Yeah, I think I should. Or some kind of showcase. Love it. The beautiful part about this is actually I do have kind of a visualizer for the song and it's not an original visualizer. But when the song started popping on TikTok, um, there's a guy, another guy that I met on Instagram called Qasim, that just did a compilation of videos from vintage old videos from Somali plays where women were just spicy and fired up mm. and put it all together and gave it to me. And he was like, you could use this as long as you give me a shout out. Use it as a... Oh, cool. Yeah. I should, I should upload that. Nice. I would love to that. see that. Yeah. Love it. Um, tell me about your decision to... To try and make like uh, not to track because you actually did it a Somali I'm a piano track. Is it the track I have you done is the EP kind of all in that. Waria. Yeah. No, Waria is a single that I released a few months ago. That was okay. That that was an idea of someone I also connected with in Ethiopia called Denaya. He's a he's a dope DJ. He's an I'm a piano DJ, and he told me like what flavorous uh, Somali lyrics. To an a piano song. I would love to work with you. And he actually sent me a beat. And then I did the song. And for a while, he was traveling a lot and he was busy. And I was waiting for him to mix and master. And he took his time. Then someone else gave me an, a, a beat. Mm. Shout out to Odds, Kenyan dope pr- producer and a um, sound engineer. Uh, he sent me a beat and I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to wait any longer. I feel like I should be releasing this song. I did it. And so the crazy thing is the song was written over two years ago. And, and it was fun. And to be honest, like, I didn't think it would get that much attraction. And it got, like, like the, it's the type of song that I didn't even stress about. I just dropped it out, mm-hmm. did the artwork with Compass, and boom. And people, <laughs> people actually love the song. Yeah, I like the song a lot. L- other languages you want to explore, either writing in or just learning after externally? <laughs> um, languages. I... I feel like I have enough, but I definitely need to work on my Swahili. There's, there's only so much, so so long I can live in this country without speaking the language. I feel so ashamed, especially when I, when I meet people that have been in the country for a few months and they know their basics. Shame on me, but I got too comfortable because everyone speaks English to me. Yeah. But I think Swahili, I want to learn. I want to start writing in Swahili. Mm. I, I'm so into the coast, coastal music right now. That's where I'm at. Sarab. Mwanzele, yeah. these two things, I'm definitely drawing so much inspiration from that and might have that inspiring my upcoming project. And I love the fact that I'm so blessed to be here in the coast. Yeah, you know? that, that history is very rich. That whole heritage is very rich and it's very present. You can actually just go out and Mwanzele, especially for us just being in Kilifi. Like, you can just do my mind. Pick a day of the week and just go to a Mwanzele and it's a full on rave. I would and you'll be out that. there with like old men twerking bro. oh my day wow i'd love to see that <laughs> like there's always like like an older crowd at manzele which Nazi i really love that and manzele yeah, any parting shot as far as pan-africanism and being an african and traveling and experiencing each other's cultures mm. all i could think of all i could say right now is that i'm so blessed to be in this part of the world east africa my heart belongs here it doesn't matter where i go it doesn't matter where i travel this is home to me Especially here, especially in this spot, especially in the coast of Kenya, especially in Kenya. 
where my heart will always be. And I would recommend, if you listen to this, that come and visit the coast of Kenya. It's magical. Plug your latest stuff. Where can everybody find you? You'll find me at Bananas Overdose everywhere. Just type Bananas Overdose and you'll find me. Not banana. Bananas Overdose, one word. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. Yeah, I appreciate you. you. And here. there's part two, guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for being here. Uh, catch up with Bananas Overdose on socials and also on streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music. You have a SoundCloud, right? On SoundCloud. And you can catch us at Gone to Africa Pod, Africa spelled with a K. Mm -hmm. It's been a pleasure. And we'll chat to you next time. Bye.